0: i'm kurt and you're listening to Cat and kurt's tv review welcome to episode nine be careful what you wish for this week we're discussing season one episode eight of doctor who father's day and season one episode eight of buffy i robot eugene
1: as always we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Alright, so we're starting with Buffy this week, which means I get to go first. And, um, definitely want to start with the titular robot slash demon, you know, slash internet virus, which is Moloch. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And we were talking about this earlier, that, uh... Moloch's definitely the the big thing to talk about in this episode, and one of the things that makes that interesting is that this is someone who um you know it's it, he's a he's a pagan god who you know is sort of either god or demon depending on your point of view you know from ancient um you know mythology Middle or, East yeah. and mythology and everything and so it's the first uh other than you know general categories like vampires witches whatever um it's the first you know personality who predates the series yeah. that, that they're drawing on a specific um character um, and yeah. recurring throughout yeah. history in the real yeah. world
0: right well and and he right he has a whole mythology behind him he's got like you said pagan references in various religions um certainly in in the old testament he's referred to solomon um is said to have been built a, a temple to him um so yeah yeah i mean it's he's got this whole uh mm-hmm. external you know beyond the weed Wheaton, verse kind of existence um which is clearly being drawn on so
1: yeah Um, well, and I think you did more research than I did in terms of the specific, um, you know, uh, ancient references to support this, but the little bit of research that I did, um, associated (laughs) him, um, it seems that he was always associated with sacrifice, um, that he may have even been some sort of a, um a symbol or an allegory for sacrifice itself, or at the very least the, 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 the name Malik always evoked, um, in particular, very personal, costly sacrifices. So they're definitely pulling on that because he, I mean, he says that he, uh, is it Giles that says that he promises love and power and knowledge. He says twice. He first in that opening scene in Italy and then again when he meets Willow face to face he repeats the same line which is i can give you everything all i want is your love so yeah. so the character that they're um drawing on is one that promises it's kind of you know a little bit of a genie that promises the world to you um in return you know in return for some sort of either devotion or you know
2: yeah
1: giving up of yourself and actually i thought you know that's actually interesting when you throw in all the the technology and the internet subtext as well because that is something that can offer you the world you know you can have access to everything but can be all consuming in a bizarre sort of way <laughs> not yeah. not hopefully not as literally worshipful as moloch but well. um But technology, people can become slaves to technology um, and they're seduced by the, you know, by everything, by everything that technology can offer you. So yeah, the, the,
0: the introduction to Fritz there is uh, the only reality is virtual. If you're not jacked in, you're not alive. And, and uh, that's an interesting resonance because you're, you're right with Moloch, it's, he's saying i can give you everything if you give me love but his definition of love is your life yeah. and so you know what what profits you if you gain the whole world and yet lose yep. not just your soul but your life with yeah. your soul and it's yeah. like you know it's it's this it's this idea that yeah sure i'll 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 give you everything if you give me your love and, yeah. and by the way not, giving me your love is going to kill you so and, you will have nothing not in the end and it's not
1: going to love you back like willow says that's a joke. You don't love anything. And again, we're like Giles says at the end, what bothers him about technology is the impersonable, you know, aspect to it, that it's not a personal thing. It's a cold, yeah. you know, soulless technology. And so even if you, you know, devote yourself to it, it's not gonna devote it's nothing that you can gain any personal satisfaction from because mm-hmm. it's not a reciprocal relationship
2: yeah um well, also
1: i just want before i forget i want to say that i love fritz's name because isn't that what you call it when technology is not working <laughs> properly is something's <laughs> on the fritz
0: yes so, yeah. that's awesome i didn't even pick up on that but yeah you're right you're right
1: uh um, he was aptly named
0: <laughs> that's funny so um you're right. I did do a bit of research on, on Moloch because um, what intrigued me mostly was the connection between him and technology and robots in specific. And I wanted to touch on some, uh, I guess, sort of the lineage between Moloch and robots. Um, I I sort of put this together through the movie Metropolis, which um, I just recently watched. And, and in that movie... Um, We're learning so is,
1: much from your... <laughs>
0: So I know, I, I know. In. I'm taking the dystopian traditions uh class at at Mythgard and and like I've already made oh, reference to oh, all of, your of secondary these secondary reading is coming. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's great. It's great. So this this movie is um a German expressionist movie uh from the 20s, 1920s um where <sighs> Well, well it's german expressionist so like to be able to describe it we He's would need way work. more time to good like actually <laughs> it. Yeah. go you know more than the 20 seconds or however that we're going to go through here yeah. but basically it, it's about this whole the 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 sort of recurring mantra throughout the movie is is that the the head the the mediator between the head and the hands is the heart and which made fit in well with your whole soul triptych uh, uh, idea yes. okay. but uh but anyway the 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 sort of premise is that there's um an upper society and a lower society in the metropolis and uh of course the the rich the the fewer very rich people have sort of a life of luxury and and whatever and then of course there's the working class people kind of below um handling all the machinery and it it the story um centers around Frieder who is uh the son of the guy who basically owns slash Manages slash, you know whatever sort of other capitalistic ideas you might want to have for the for the uh, upper people in society. Um, he he kind of makes his way down into the bowels and he sees this big machine that the workers are um, working at, which is keeping the entire metropolis running. Um, and there's there's an explosion or or something goes wrong, and basically as he's Sort of dazed by this explosion and, and is laying there. He sees this whole vision of Moloch, which is this like huge, like superimposed maw kind of over the machinery, and then he sees like the workers as these slaves who are being fed into this gaping maw. Um, but in that movie, which again is German expressionist and whatever, there's this whole um, like other storyline with a guy who is creating a robot. The robot is Hel, H-E-L, which is, um, a sort of, a a Norse goddess. Right, right.
1: Um. Right, an underworld goddess.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and, and the robot, um, basically is, is what, she comes down and sort of incites the workers who uprise and, you know, throw down the machine, i.e. Moloch, and Uh so there's like this whole like robot and slash versus Moloch idea there. But, that's what got me started, and so like I went back and kind of was looking at at sort of the literary aspects of Moloch, um, and and going you know way back like you said already in the early days and and sort of the pagan um, concept of Moloch, the the mid eastern god. Um, it's actually in 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 the Hebrew in the Bible he's referred to a number of times, and I guess it's not real clear whether it actually is a god or if it was like a king, you know as sometimes is want to do you know a very popular king or something who became uh um later on down the line who became a god um you know that was worshipped uh by like the babylonians and 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 the phoenicians and all of this um so there's there's you know there's like these references there but anyway at least according to the catholic encyclopedia um you're right that the idea is uh there's uh, sacrifice specifically of children of infants. Um, and, and so there's sort of the, the metaphorical idea there of, you know, someone who's very innocent being sacrificed to this very, um, uh, 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 diabolical, I guess, sort of yeah. entity, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, demanding, um, this sort of sacrifice and that, and that, yeah, it is, it is a very demanding, um, thing. There's, there's some, um, allusions to also, um, Moloch supposedly had sort of a body of a man and a head of a bull, kind of um, similarities to, like, the Minotaur or, or okay. other um, similar types of um
1: And that's what they give thing. him, the kind of yes. demon horns, but they're specifically kind of curled
2: right.
0: bull horn. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not little goat horns, you know, right. like... it. it yeah, they have that yeah. kind of a full so, so sort of
0: look. There's to definitely them. a visual connection going on yeah. there in, in the yeah. Buffy episode, um, and and then there's there's also a theory that maybe Moloch doesn't actually refer to a personage, a deity, or or a king or anything, but actually to a particular type of of sacrifice involving right. children and, right. and that kind of thing. So right. it, it, you know, it may have been this this demonic slash, deific idea that came out of. Um, that that practice.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Chicken
0: or egg scenario. Chicken there, or guess. egg <laughs>
1: and, and is there really a difference? Like at what point do yeah. you, the the personality and the ritual surrounding him become sort of one and the same, you know?
0: Um that
1: he's sort of an embodiment of his you know, the 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 rituals that he right, demands.
0: Right. Um so obviously with Moloch being uh referenced in in these ancient texts and particularly in the bible uh, he's sort of made his way into western conceptions um just a few i mean there's many many references but um just a few literary references here um john milton de- definitely brings him up in paradise lost his mm-hmm. his big tome um and and in that text uh in that poem, Moloch is actually the sort of the head of the demon hordes. Okay. Um, obviously, it's, Satan is the head of all the fallen angels, but Moloch is like the chief, um, you, you know, the chief uh,
2: lieutenant?
0: Yeah, or general, even, you know, like uh, whatever. Um, first Moloch, horde king, besmeared with blood of human sacrifice and parents' tears. Right, is right. The, and human sacrifice, line.
1: parents' tears. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, someone's done his homework. Um, and 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 he references him in another poem on the morning of Christ's nativity, which basically ends up being sort of a litany of all the demons and stuff who run away. And and Moloch is actually given the last stanza in that poem, sort of I think again implying a chief position. Um, right, like a culminating, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, like, and and even Moloch, you know, the greatest of demons ran yeah. away when Christ was born. Is kind of the implication.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Sullen Moloch fled, had yeah. left in shadows dread, is the uh, line there, uh, at least opening to that stanza. Um, interestingly enough, then we also get references to Moloch in Bertrand Russell in 1903, who was an about atheist. So you got the very religious Milton uh, reference there. You also have the russell um reference here and and he was um talking more about he 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 sort of used Moloch as as an idea of religion that was um you know this this well I'll just read what he says he says the religion of Moloch is in essence the cringing submission of the slave who dare not even in his heart allow the thought that his master that his master deserves no adulation. So basically it's, it's going right back to the idea you were talking about that, that idea that it's very demanding. It, it, it doesn't, it's not only that we should, uh, you know, people who believe in, in, and, and I think he's using here, mall, like as a metaphor, not just as an actual thing to be worshiped, but as this type of thing that, that there's a demand there, um, Mm -hmm. of sacrifice. And, and, given his ideas on religion i would assume that he would apply that even more broadly than just like old religions like like right, that, he would, right. that he would that he would that he would take that to mean that that's a demand of religion sort of in in general right,
1: right. not discriminating um, between religions but right yeah right yeah
0: and then and then um we get two kind of interesting um references to moloch in relation to Um, Nazism, and and Hitler specifically, Uh, Winston Churchill in The Gathering Storm says that uh, of Hitler that he had conjured up the fearful idol of an all-devouring Moloch, of which he was the priest and incarnation. Um, More recently, in 1999, there was a Russian biopic um, by Alexander Sukharov who created a movie called Moloch, which is about Hitler. And it's mm-hmm. sort of uh, uh, an attempt to like almost humanize Hitler. And it's, I, I haven't seen it, um, but based on what I understand is that it, it sort of focuses on Hitler's relationship with Eva Brown. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it actually won the best screenplay at, at the 1999 Cannes fil- uh, Film Festival. So mm-hmm. um, some interesting, interesting stuff there, you know, between the evilness and, and, and the idea of sacrifice. Yeah. Now to robots. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm kind of taking up a lot of time here, but... No, I um, think this is... This is you it, know,
1: it, it. what it says to me is that um, Joss and team are doing their homework, you know? Yeah, this which is... is cl- which is great to know, you know?
0: Yeah, and and even if they didn't have all of these particular connections involved here, I think it also goes to show that they're using this idea... Like, this is not... A new idea, and I think when we get into the, kind of the theme of the episode, I mean the old, which is very much an old versus new kind of thing. Yeah, like we're we're seeing the meld between these ideas here. Yeah. Um. So just a few more um references here. I want to bring up uh, Karl Capek, uh, who is a who or who was a Czech author. Um. Is he was a science fiction writer, and he is known for uh in particular his his work uh RUR which in English stands for Rossum's Universal Robots and he's the first person to sort of use the word robot as a um as as, as a term that we would recognize today the it 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 has um it it has hints to uh the check word uh, robota which means like kind of like a serf like someone who who sort of has has to work for another person not quite a slave but like the next step up from a slave like okay. they're kind of autonomous in their free time but right. all of their like work time is servitude or
1: something. yeah
0: yeah so um anyway so he wrote that now um he went on to write after he wrote R.U.R. he wrote a story called War with the Newts in which is kind of in linked with r u r in and basically um it's a story about a race of intelligent newts um who are basically enslaved to um to men to humans and um kind of in the same way that this relationship of the robots in r u r uh are are enslaved to humans as well, and so there's a lot of parallels there and in there, the newts um worship a vicious god named Moloch um who has actually a newt head <laughs> with a human body, um rather than a bull's head. But um the the the, the narrator, I guess, in the story kind of makes this claim that it's actually from the German word for newt, which is mulk, uh which is very similar to Moloch, but there's a lot of similarities there to kind of the demonic idea of Moloch that uh-huh. that are in there. So that's that's kind of a looser connection. But um a more interesting one is in 1955, we get Allen Ginsberg and his famous or infamous, however you might want to look at it, poem, Howl, which is just a great thing. And in part two of Howl, we get this repetition of Moloch, Moloch. It's, I mean, repeated over and over. And and, and the one particular piece in there that, that kind of struck me was the... the um, Point where he goes, and I think this may be the last references to Moloch. Where he goes, Moloch, Moloch, robot apartments, invisible suburbs, skeleton treasuries, blind capitals, demonic industries, spectral nations, inv- invincible madhouses, monstrous bombs. They broke their backs lifting Moloch to heaven. Pavements, trees, radios, tons lifting the city to heaven, which exists and is everywhere about us.
2: Right, um, right. So, so, so again, the the
0: robot apartments, the the d- the
1: demonic the, industry. That's a yeah, great, I mean, yeah.
0: It, it, this whole idea that, that the new way of living that has arisen from industry, from capitalism, from these, you know, invincible madhouses, And technology, them, too. And, and technology you know, in yeah. general um, is the Moloch. So, yeah. so I think what we get here, yeah, is, is this whole sort of um, lineage of the idea of Moloch yeah. coming right up to the present of right. um you know, yes, something that's demanding, but also something that's tied very strongly to progress and technology and yeah. and yeah. and in, industry Pro- progress yeah. in, in in the in the bad way, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. You, you, right. you know, the the destructive progress that yeah. industrialization and right. uh, you know, depending of, on your point of view, capitalism or or whatever you want to call it has brought about. Uh, brought about.
1: Right, the kind of industrialism that does uh, steamroll nature and and insert concrete and all that kind of yeah
0: yeah yeah so so um anyway so then we get to moloch the corruptor (laughs) which i I think it's kind of funny that they added this title to it yeah um kind of kind of like the least scary part about him is that he's corrupting things it's yeah. like oh yeah oh by the way he kills and destroys and yeah all of this um but i i also i mean i just think that that whole idea that they're bringing together by making moloch become a robot in yeah. the end yeah. and, and well and for i mean initially trapping him in a computer and then
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. um putting him in a robot body he's kind of you know they're marrying these ideas together yeah. and 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 kind of um Making some additional, uh, you know, statements about historicity and modernity, and and what is there? Well, and we will get into all of this, but is there, you know, uh, is one or the other better? Are either of them good, or are they both bad? Is or, you know or what are the aspects? Are of, they
1: even so different?
0: Yeah. You know. Well, and yeah. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, because you know, like. Miss calendar says something about, like, well, it was your book that started it, you know, which I guess is kind of true. He was in the book, but then he's also in the internet, and that's just as dangerous. So by the end, you know, to me, I mean, yeah, I think the the comparison and contrast between, so they are different in some ways, because Giles talks very passionately about the virtues of, old things and natural things versus cold, impersonal, unsmelly technology and everything. Um, So there are... (laughs) Unsmelly. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that... So I guess point one to the old, but then, you know, the new technology has things to offer it, too, that it ends up saving the day, basically, at the end, that they're able to defeat him via the technology. And it does offer you all you know these possibilities and everything so okay so that has virtues as well but then both of them are perfectly capable of being used by Moloch, who's the real bad guy so it's almost like these are neutral you know entities which i don't really think one necessarily trumps the other in the end
0: um well no and and i think that's that's kind of the impression we're meant to leave is yeah. that, is that there's not,
2: it's a that there isn't necessarily the one better. Yeah.
0: And, and Moloch predates both of them. So, I mean, right. for, <laughs> you, you know, it's ridiculous for Giles to say that, you know, computers are bad or whatever. And, and certainly Moloch is able to do a lot of destruction being in the computers. Yeah. But, but, no but no more it's than just he's as ridiculous
1: than being in a book.
0: It's just as ridiculous for Jenny to say that Moloch, you know, is a destructor, corrupter, whatever. Um, because of the book, it's not the book right. I mean, they trapped him in the book the The right. book is what stopped him from right. you know what the evil things that he was doing before, so it's not mm-hmm. they're different things and have different purposes and and um yeah, no, I think that's it i I think it's interesting too that the trapping of Moloch in the robot body, which he does himself like he he traps yeah. himself into the robot body. Ultimately is what kills him, yeah, because he's like he's got nowhere to go, like the soul of the demon has been trapped you know in a book, but it can escape the book yeah if someone reads it, he gets trapped in the internet, but he can escape the internet because they have this right. robot, which right. he gets downloaded into, but once he's he's trapped in the robot and he's just ultimately destroyed by Buffy, there's nothing there's nowhere else for him to go, like he's gone. He's done. Yeah. Like, the, the technology does get done, the thing that books couldn't before.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, his voice changes when he gets... <laughs> Not right yeah. away. I mean, it becomes sort of progressively more human as the episode goes on. It becomes, like, less... It kind of starts out demonic, and then when he's in the internet and in the robot, it's more robotic. And But then, after they do the ritual and he's officially sort of stuck in the robot body it sounds almost human it's almost like there's some bit of power that got taken away from him once he's sort of in a a corporeal form sort of once he's stuck there um which i just thought it was kind of interesting um the other the other thing which uh Kind of went along with the whole technology motif and everything, and, and thinking about his robot voice and everything was the kind of HAL 9000 vibe that you get, especially <laughs> because we have Fritz and then we have Dave.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: And yeah, the whole kind of, <laughs> you know, what are you doing, Dave? And like yeah. that. It, and I think that voice, the, the, the design of the voice, and, and how. The demonic computer, which is, (laughs) yeah. Well, it is that. I mean, as soon as you have like a robot and intelligent technology, you get all these themes of artificial intelligence, you know, and the fear that comes along with that. Which, maybe a magical book is kind of a proto-artificial intelligence, like a book that's sort of semi-sentient or has some sort yeah, of or a personality has a magical
0: personality yeah, yeah. yeah which we were going to talk about magical personalities trapped in books yeah um, um,
1: you you thought of one and then and then it prompted me to think of well, another
0: yeah I was thinking about the concept of well so a couple things one I think um, with Willow scanning in the book um, w- just sort of on a metaphorical level the idea that that a computer can read a book like it's it's you, you know versus uh, a person reading a book like it, it's just a transfer of information yeah and and it's not an understanding right of well, that information
1: and and, and and giles calls it skimming which to me is
0: kind of like <laughs> yeah he means yeah to there's say a scanning, whole other
1: commentation but there's like yeah the connotation is you're just scanning with your eyes you're not really reading yeah you're not, you're not taking yeah. the
0: information in at all um so that that was interesting to me but yeah the the sort of thing that that i um thought of when I was thinking there is 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 just this trope of sort of the innocent person reading a book of magic that they don't really know anything about, but then they inadvertently cause some havoc or some um you know whatever and and it works on a number of different levels the the sort of two imperfect uh allusions that came to my mind were one um the the sorcerer's apprentice from fantasia Mm -hmm. with with mickey mouse uh trying to you know be the the sorcerer and of course i mean he's someone who certainly should know better um (laughs) in that instance you would think that that if if he was an actual apprentice he would know not to be playing around with spells and things but um That that was sort of one that came to mind. Another one that came to mind was um, in *Voyage of the Don Treader*. Yeah. When um, I I had misremembered it, Um, you told me it was Lucy who reads the book, not Eustace, like I had originally thought. But um, in 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 the uh, the Duffelpuds Island is that Uh the is is that the? Am I getting this right? Like I I, I'm stretching my mind back when I last read it. Um, and 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 the. You know, she goes in to read the book and, and of course various magical things happen as she's reading it and she doesn't really yeah. have any awareness of of what she's doing. But again, you know, another person who kinda should know better because yeah. she's had a couple trips to Narnia at that point. Yeah. Um This seems similar, um but not quite the same. I mean certainly Giles, I think, should have known better and and been taking better care of his books of magic that he Your just is sort of leaving lying around for Who anyone could possibly yes.
1: go wrong yeah
0: hey while you're doing this play with some sharp knives yeah. or something you know like like you would think that as as a watcher he'd be doing a better job of watching you know where his books are going yeah. but um you, you know i don't know like if we have a reasonable expectation and and maybe i mean maybe this is you know where his ignorance shows up is Uh that because he's not familiar with technology, he doesn't have sort of the thought patterns or the language or the um, experience to sort of think of this in a way that that might be evil, like, you know, and and who would, you know, who would think that scanning in a book, I've actually scanned in many numbers of books in my time, um, in, in my work with Project Gutenberg and, and distributed proofreaders and stuff. I used to scan in quite a few books and, and, and I, you know, it was a great thing. There's How knowledge now. How many
1: demons have you loosed on the I know. Actress. Well, that's <laughs> what
0: I'm wondering now. I, I, that's a question I hope I never have to answer. Um, but the, the, uh, you know, the idea there is that, um, you know, I just, I mean, I don't know that, that Giles has the facility to really understand, what he's doing there, so maybe he is just as innocent and ignorant, even though maybe he shouldn't be, as you know, Sorcerer Mickey Mouse or Lucy yeah. <laughs> Pevensey. That's um,
1: not that's not inconsistent with what we've seen so far. He does seem to be fairly. Um, uh, I may. I can't remember if they made reference to this or if I'm just inferring this based on like the characterization that we've seen, but he seems to be kinda new at this. That's the impression I'm getting. New as a
0: watcher? Yeah. Like yeah.
1: M- well, smart and learned, but but not entirely um I don't know. Like he like he still has a lot to learn.
0: He he's he's book smart. Yeah. But but and outside maybe he of said
1: that to Buffy at one point. I feel like he did say like look, we're both learning this as we go. I kind of yeah. don't really know much more than you do.
0: Um, yeah, well, and, and I think if you look at Buffy's role in all of this, I mean, as as the Slayer, in every episode, and again in this one, and I've repeated it, I think, every time, yeah. she's the one who figures it out. Oh, yeah. You know, she she's the one who has, you know, enough. Like, she gets the information from Giles. Yeah. And she's right. the one who has the perception of what, enough of yeah. what's going on around her yeah. to put together the pieces to say, oh my gosh, Willow's the one in trouble here. And right. well, it's, she's you know, Malcolm like, is...
1: Yeah, she's more analytical than he is. You know, he kind of stores the information, but then doesn't always seem to know what to do with it. Or it doesn't occur to him that some problem that's going on in the school might apply to information right. he has sort of like he doesn't put the two and two together
0: well and and i i think yeah i think you're on the right track there with the the idea that like his mind is that this is all ancient stuff and so like yeah like he's not he he i don't he may not even be capable of thinking in that way of
2: right.
0: you know how does this apply to the modern world because it's sort of abstract yeah he's you know he's very good at at sort of seeing the ideas the concepts yeah. but not the execution yeah which literally is what you need the yeah. execution yeah. of like, these demons right, right. And he
1: knows all about the the demons and the spirits and the magic but doesn't recognize it when it happens in the modern world right in front of him so yeah. every episode we have buffy we have the scene where Buffy has to convince Giles that whatever is happening is related to, you know, the magic. So it's like, right. Giles, seriously, Xander's acting weird. This is not normal hormones. Or <laughs> Giles, seriously, Willow's got and, a boyfriend. This is a problem. Like, it, we, right. but that, that's several weeks in a row. Like,
0: <laughs> it's a problem that Willow has a boyfriend. <laughs>
1: You have to look for the ulterior motive. I
0: don't know. <laughs> um, no, but you're right. I mean, it's it, and that's again, that's where Buffy excels. But yeah, and I think it's not just. Um, well, I don't know. I I, 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 you know, Giles is smart in that sort of classical sense, but yeah, he has no, you know, he he doesn't seem to be able to put it together, and and, you know, as is sort of the stereotype among older people with computers.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and then you get Jenny Calendar, who's the yeah, you know, young, Which is a strange, cool. A uh, uh,
1: strange name. I was trying to. Oh yeah. Think of if mm. there's like resonance to Calendar, and you know, like, or is it just a mm. a weird? Name? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it doesn't. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that, but yeah, and that kind of combative, you know. Do they love each other or hate each other?
2: Kind
1: <laughs> of, you know, tension. Well, yeah, lo-
0: love would be. a, st- I mean, there's love, certainly like, some interest there. Kind
1: of a, you know, sort of a a bitchy flirtation going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and I love I love that when when uh, she says to him, she's like. We were arguing. And he's like, Yes, yes, let's do that again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> he's totally lost or whatever. And she's like, No, I want to keep arguing with you. Yeah. You know, it's it's very teenager esque. Yeah. It's not how
1: opposite, yeah.
0: It's not how you would expect teachers, you know, in professional capacities to be acting. Yeah. Um So yes. Um uh, modernity and old things and historicity oh so well i i
1: wanted uh really quickly the other magical book that i wanted to mention which i didn't even think of yes. at all until you were talking about um uh lucy and the magician's book and then on top of it all the themes of technology um it it reminds me a lot of um what jk rowling did with um Tom Riddle's diary in *Chamber of Secrets*, um, which, mm, from yeah. from the way she tells the story, um, she wrote that um, you know, kind of inspired by the way her sister would keep a diary and sort of, you know, how certain people are sort of prone to pouring out, you know, their entire soul into a diary and then, you know, telling it, telling this book everything about yourself and then. Um, the scary kind of element being, well, what if that was some sort of a sentient mind? You know, what would it do with that information? And, of course, Ginny Weasley becomes completely infatuated with this abstract diary, which is Tom Riddle, which turns out to be Voldemort. Big mistake. And he uses that information to try to get to Harry and everything. And then, but then, um, so she kind of just wrote that, but then she said, I guess that would have been... She was plotting the books out in the in the '90s, and, and Chamber of Secrets I think was published in 1998 or something. So around that time, the mm-hmm. internet was was becoming you know prevalent, and it wasn't until it had really been written and published that she started going online and um, had experiences with internet chat rooms, and and it suddenly took on a whole new resonance to her that this is very sure. like having an unseen friend who lives in a computer and you tell it everything about yourself and you don't know who's on the other end. And you know, of course we have Willow doing something very similar um, and becoming very close with, with this personality that she doesn't know anything about. And there's that whole resonance of internet, you know, dating and internet, you know, Mm. With people that like 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 Xander says, if I who's to say I'm not an elderly Dutch woman if I'm in the elderly Dutch woman chat room? Like, right? How do you know? You have no idea. This could be right. anybody. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So again, with the old and the new, I mean, looking at um Lucy or or someone in a more antiquated setting, you know, forming a relationship and trusting a book that she doesn't really know much about um, and becoming attached to it and, and being manipulated by it, that transitions very smoothly into the modern world where we have the internet. Um, so, yeah, there's, those things are not so different from each other, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's right, and I think what well, and it was just as you were talking, I was thinking about modernity versus historicity, and even just the changes like 1997 from an internet perspective seems like ancient history at this right. point. Um, right? You, we're you,
2: talk- yeah. Oh man. I was gonna
0: say you brought up the 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 moment of pause in watching this where um, they try to call Willow and they say, oh her phone was ringing so she must not be online (laughs) and and just the whole idea of of yeah oh yeah back then you did have to have a physical phone line and you did um really only the only way to get online was to call up uh whatever your internet service provider was with a modem and all of that and and of course anyone born in this millennium has no idea of what that was like and and no
1: idea of the pain we suffered in in the age of dial up.
0: And even at that time where like, if you didn't take the proper precautions and someone did call when you were online, you immediately got kicked off and all that fun stuff. But, um, or when you answer, you
1: got the screeching, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like facts, you know, in your brain. Like, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. That was very demonic. Yeah. Um, yeah indeed that's but
1: Moloch's work <laughs> uh
0: the uh it, I, yeah I did want to talk though a little more about Jenny and Giles because it's it, it, there's obviously there's this sort of flirtation going on but yeah they they it, you know Jen, Jenny becomes uh, a foil really for Giles' mm-hmm. character and, and and i mean they're foils for each other, but of course Giles is is the established character in this case um you know he he's again the sort of the old stuffy the librarian <laughs> um and she's the young, cool hip computer teacher hip yeah, yeah. Um, but they're both intelligent, they're both knowledgeable, and they're both good at making arguments for their respective viewpoints like and and that's the thing that to me really implies like we're not supposed to come away with you know, this thinking that one is, is better than right. the other. We're not, <laughs> I, I love to like, even at the end, there, It's sort of punctuating Giles old stuffiness is when he says goodbye, he doesn't say goodbye. He says, I'll see you anon.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, you can't even talk like you're in the no. 20th century. No, he has to talk uh,
2: in
1: Elizabethan English. Yeah.
0: But, um, the, the, um, just sort of the interplay there. I think, I think we're supposed to get the fact that these are two people looking at very, at the same, you know, ideas from very different perspectives. And, and I don't think we're supposed to come away with the idea that either one of them is truly right. Yeah. Or that either one of them is, is exactly wrong either. And, and I think that, um, you you know, we kind of talked about that already with, with Jenny, you know, talking about the book starting it. Well, was it really the book? Was it, was it, But the computer is the one who gave Moloch way more power Um, that, you know, we get hints throughout uh, from the humorous, you know, changing a kid's essay to laud the Nazi establishment. And there's another Hitler reference to Moloch, by the way, Uh, uh, you know, to laud the Nazi establishment as the perfect society. Um, But then we get, you know, other hints throughout, um, like the nurse saying how she didn't know that. Her student was allergic to penicillin and and just sort of the horror there of, oh my gosh, what if someone could manipulate your health records you know and, what if? and <laughs> yeah, well i'm saying like like that's, just thinking about
1: that's really uh plausible,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it is these days yeah. and and there's you know I mean and that's you know you think about like healthcare discussions and stuff like that and and the idea that oh to make you know to make things so much easier and 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 the the ubiquitous excuse of to cut down on costs and yeah. and make healthcare affordable you know that we're going to institute you know a system whereby everyone can interchangeably uh share medical information and you just think about that and you say well yes that there's a very good reason for doing that but at the same time you know that sort of thing has implications yeah. with a capital I mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of you know what are the sort of things that um, all of this connectivity does and, and so yeah you know again and, and they're looking at this again from a world that was 16 years ago from a yeah. whole other strata of the uh, 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 you know a whole different layer of, of history yeah. <laughs> from where we are today and yeah. the interconnected world and, but, and Buffy um, pulls
1: out the trump card of nuclear war like well, yes, nothing. Yeah. Nothing beats Buffy's suggestion that what if he could get into, you know, you know, the UN records and you know, yeah, whatever, yeah, no, there's, know. there's,
0: there's all sorts of evilness that could happen there. Um, I, there was some place I was going with all of that, but I guess just even just pointing all of that out that like this is, um. You know, between the, between um, Jenny and Giles, you know they are they are sort of um, foils for each other. They're not, but neither one of them is necessarily right, and and yeah. there's not necessarily a, a clean answer. It's not, you know, it is it yeah. is messy. It's it's yeah, it, uh, you know, you kind of have to go your your own way with all of this. Yeah. And well, in um, that
1: technology, whether it's pre-industrial or post-industrial, it's, it's, it's a neutral tool and it depends on what you're doing with it and it creates as many problems as it solves, you know, and that seems to be true whether you're talking about an old book or whether you're talking about the internet. Um, so it, it's just, there are different points along a spectrum, but, but really not, not as opposed as these two characters seem to because they have particular allegiances, they want to right. see them as opposites.
2: Um, yeah, right. But I don't. Right.
1: Th- I think you're right. Neither one really comes out. Nobody really wins the argument, and maybe it's not an argument that can have a clear winner because they're you know they're kind of opposite you know sides of the coin or something.
0: Yeah. Well, and. Um... It, it's funny because, like, sort of emotionally, I, I want to side with Giles. Yeah. I, I, I say this as someone who is currently recording a podcast it's, over Skype it's, it's on my laptop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, this his arguments seem yeah. quite sound to me. The well, the, and, the, and it's, the smelly argument.
1: There's different virtues, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, old things do have more personality and more... You know emotional resonance, but then, look what we're able to do with new things and all the opportunities. It so it it really,
0: yeah, well, you and know,
1: it it's just different virtues and vices depending on what you're talking about.
0: And and it kind of goes back to the, you know there's there's arguments of uh, you know the old days, so to speak, about how uh, you know people read better things or whatever. There's kind of that whole uh, sort of. Literary argument of of well, literature is better and and that sort of thing from the old days versus what we maybe read today in mass or 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 whatever. Um, and you know, but then there's also the idea that we have much higher rates of literacy just in general sure. mm-hmm. now. And, um, and you know, and even,
1: accessibility. You know, because she says and that accessibility and to Giles about. And now he kind of um, doesn't accept this as a given. But but Jenny says something about like um, you just want information kept where only you know elitist white men have access to it. You know yeah. that that the old way of doing things is a is a elitist patriarchal. You know. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and and he has and what and what. The progressive new age has done is to you know evenly distribute you know information readily or, to everybody
0: yeah or or at least more even evenly, more evenly. At, at, right. at, at that point it's more accessible i mean there's you know yeah, ideas yeah. of the digital divide and all of that right, where
2: sure.
0: um you know i think today that it it's certainly it's continuing to get more accessible to more people around the world but yeah um but I think he also has a point, you know, when he says that, well, no, that's actually not what I believe. I mean, he's a librarian, which presumably—a well, school librarian, so it's limited circulation or whatever. But, you know, I think he would be okay with most people being able to access most knowledge. Yeah, um, He might not be handing out his copy of Tobin's Spirit Guide to whoever walks through the door. But, the uh, uh, you know, I think he, he's perfectly right in saying, no, I just— I just don't work on the assumption that because something is is new that it's better. Yeah. And so he, by default, sort of goes the other way with it. Yeah. You know, perhaps to a fault. Right. Um,
1: well, each and, of them and, are distributing chronological snobbery, to use the C.S. Lewis term, <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, about indeed. the other. That Giles' assumption is that older is better. Jenny's assumption is that newer is better. And I think we're agreeing that neither is necessarily true that it sort of depends. It depends on the circumstance and some things have improved and, and in some ways we've lost things over time.
0: All of that said, my other bit of research that I did (laughs) was, was to find that in a recent scientific American article, there is some evidence that reading uh, on paper is in fact a, does result in 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 a better memory of what you've read. All right. Um, very 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 slight evidence, I'll admit, <laughs> but there is some evidence. I'll I'll give you that and that's uh an al- April 11th and we'll we'll be sure to link that in the show notes. All right. So Giles so Giles wins. <laughs> by a slight By it by a, by a nose. <laughs> by by you know really it's probably like Almost imperceptible. But they did perceive it. So I will I will stand by what I said. I uh, We've gone over time. We um, have. Yeah, we should on. This. on. Um, okay, Willow wants a boyfriend. Xander is jealous when she gets one. Yeah, Buffy we were talking
1: about this. I mean, figures out the problem. Yeah, nothing, nothing new <laughs> in the character department. Not a Pretty
0: whole lot. Pretty much
1: confirmation of... Except
0: Jenny. Except Jenny. Except The introduction Jenny. Of
1: well, Jenny. because
0: she's new. Yeah. She's... Um, right. She, well, yes. But,
1: but no new information about our main characters as far as i can see everybody's right. behaving pretty much as we expect them to at this point
2: yep yep um so
1: very ah. funny end to the episode i enjoyed it uh <laughs> oh yes my favorite my favorite episode ends so far um so go,
0: go ahead and read that line uh
1: where is oh it? now so, you oh, have to
0: find it <laughs> uh,
1: uh, buffy says well none of us are going to have a happy normal relationship and Xander cheerfully says, we're doomed. And then they all laugh. And then they all look horribly depressed. And then the episode ends.
2: <laughs> Fade to
1: black on their uh, disgusting faces. Their
0: realization that, no, actually, wait. Wait a
1: minute. This, <laughs> this is actually a problem. This is
0: a, a doom, yeah. doom sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, um, so, moving on very good. to Doctor Who, yeah. Father's Day, yeah, which... Yeah. Had its own overtones of old, old versus new, new.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and again, this is this is great that we... and
1: and we're recording this very close to Father's Day, so
0: we are Father's I, Day, I Day when we're recording is sort this
1: of with us on this. There, um, you know, thematic parallels are being delivered to us.
0: I, I just, yeah, it's great. The <laughs> um, although,
1: hopefully, nobody's Father's Day is quite like this one.
0: I certainly hope mine isn't. Um, yeah, that would suck. Uh, thank you for jinxing, jinxing that for me. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, kind of in contrast, though to um, to Buffy, uh, the monsters in this are pretty much negligible. Yeah. <laughs> I uh-huh. mean, I, I mean, obviously yeah. they're not. Negligible, they kill people, and, yeah, that sucks. But, no. um, like, they're, they're, they're just sort of generic.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, we needed we something need to come and be yep. horrible while we throw the doctor and Rose and Rose's father and, well, Rose's parents and, and all of them kind of together and see what happens when they all get no, trapped in a building. Yeah, yeah, this,
1: this episode, yeah, I'm with you. The monsters are the least interesting aspect. That this episode is all about the character stuff. Um and, and the thematic, you know, juiciness. Mm-hmm. This is such a rich episode. Yeah. Another um, another uh Hugo nominee that year. Oh is it? It is. Um, okay. written by Paul Cornell. Well and Yeah.
0: Yeah, it and it was a good one. Um so, yeah, worthy. Worthy I suppose. The uh uh what and I actually wanted to start with Um, Kind of the old and new and the, the, well, I guess, and more the mythology of time travel as it plays out uh, in this episode. And and I suppose we can sort of, well, maybe I don't know that we can generalize it um, throughout, but um, at least for here, we we get the idea uh, repeated a couple different times that the older something is, the stronger it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily better, although it certainly seems like they would hope that, the church is old enough (laughs) that it'll be very strong to -hmm. keep them protected. So in that sense, it's, it's better, but I don't, I don't think we're meant to imply that it's necessarily better just that in this particular case, the doctor it's useful for
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, the church to be somewhat old. And then um, more importantly for his sacrifice, he steps forward and says, I'm the oldest thing in this room. Take me. Yeah, Uh, And that, is seems a very significant sort of thing uh one because it's a Mm self-sacrifice so i mean that's just again sort of contrasting with the other one where the sacrifice isn't of self but yeah um of others and and of the innocent this is this is uh the doctor stepping forward to sacrifice himself and then also resonating later in the episode of peter who then sacrifices himself mm-hmm. um, for the good of everyone else. Um, but also that it's the doctor, despite being the oldest person in the room and, and stepping forward to sacrifice himself, it has no effect. Yeah. Essentially. No. It, the monsters are still coming at him. Yeah. And, no, that's a
1: temporary delay. That's very all, like, that's temporary. All it I mean, them. Yeah. the
0: monster eats the doctor and then immediately starts going after the other people yeah. in the room. Like, I mean, it's not like enough for it to chew and swallow. Like, that's you know, that's yeah. that's it. Um, you know, and yeah. had it not for been for the sort of fluky paradox of the monster coming into car- contact with the materializing, the very slowly materializing TARDIS, yeah. uh, you know, presumably everyone in that room would have been eaten yeah although I was trying to think about that like at what point are we to presume that that the monsters would have just eaten everyone and everything in the world until they there was no one left or or because Peter was the um, paradox there he was the one who should have been dead and wasn't once they got to him do we do you think that that would have stopped things that's a good
1: question I don't know um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they ever made that particularly clear. The only thing that, and and I don't know that even even someone as knowledgeable as like the doctor would know that because he says right. something about uh that this isn't normally how paradoxes should be resolved. This is like the dirty way of handling like like <laughs>
0: yeah, this yeah. is
1: the cleanup team into it's, just, like, it's
0: the. Duct tape around the pipes, Seriously, you know, because, trying to yeah, make like, sure it doesn't leak. He says, yeah.
1: You know, if the, if, the, if my people were still around, they would have stopped this. That Time Lords. That there would were rules.
0: Have, there are rules, used to be rules. There
1: used to be rules, and in the event that rules got broken, they would be able to more um, more carefully, uh, you know, yeah. sew he up the, wound, I guess. the Yeah, He could have called in, yeah
0: he called it could have called in the time lords with hazmat suits
1: yeah no it's and, almost like it, it's it's almost like rather than having like a surgeon you know fix a wound <laughs> and clean it and sew yeah. it, it's almost like this is take a the field thing medic and
0: or something throw yeah. it in the
1: fire and just burn the thing away or something like this is like the, yeah. the quick and dirty way of
0: well, and, and he uses the analogy of cauterizing the yeah, wound. Yeah, like bacteria. I mean, he, you know, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. You're heating up a poker and sticking it. Yeah, in. Yeah, like to, this
1: is like quick. get our <laughs> How many? Hands dirty. How many? Yeah.
0: Gross analogies can we come up with to <laughs> to describe what's going on here? Well, they use um, the term
1: wound, so I think that's appropriate. Yeah, but
0: no, I know, but I. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to go with the red top poker route, I guess. But um, anyway, <laughs> no, I, I I think this is yeah. yeah so this who is. Knows?
1: Because this isn't the way things normally would or should happen. So it's almost like, who's to say how far they would have gone? Like, Which,
0: which is interesting from the beginning because the doctor says, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. And then he, and then we get to the point where he says, I, I, I don't know what I'm i I have no, I have no plan here.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I just hope it doesn't all go to crap, basically, yeah. is what he's saying. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, interesting. Because, because we do get that sense of, and, and even the, there's the point where, uh, uh, the, the couple who are about to be married, uh, I forget their oh, names. Oh, I forget it, their
1: names, too. That's it, okay. Is
0: it them who say, uh. Or one of them who says, "Oh, you you seem to know what you're doing," and he's like, "Yeah, it would it would appear so, wouldn't it?" I I
1: give that impression.
0: (laughs) I give that impression. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which you're you're kind of wondering, like, I mean, he certainly has a um, manner about him as a doctor who you know you would hope would know what he's doing, but uh, yeah, he's
1: called the doctor. He
0: seems yeah, but he's also. I mean, this isn't this isn't the first time that we've that he said I know what I'm doing and you don't yeah. to someone. Yeah. I mean maybe not in those exact words but in that in that sense anyway. This isn't the first time where he's where he it's not just an impression, he's outright stating that he knows what's going on and yeah. other people don't. And so I think the the idea that we get is that he always does and it's mm-hmm. I this is kind of the first time where he admits he doesn't have a plan. He doesn't know how things are going to get fixed. Yeah. And uh Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um And
1: it all and then
0: except well and and so all right, sorry. Let me jump in here because yeah. can we really believe him completely? He knows how the situation can right. be fixed. Right. He knows how it can yeah. be fixed. He does not know how to fix it himself and he can't make the decision to fix it
2: yes right although
0: he could have made the decision to tell peter how to fix it yeah and he doesn't he lets he, he well i mean he and i don't i mean we can't know if he like does he maybe know that if peter ends up sacrificing himself that he'll come back There's no assurance there. Like I don't I I mean we we never get an idea of you know, he he certainly says, Well, you know, don't worry to rose, like what you changed will stay the same. Uh Uh-huh. So like that sort of implies that if Peter sacrifices himself that things will remain as they are.
2: Right. Implying
0: that I think the doctor won't come back.
2: Yeah.
0: I think that's the impression that we're we're meant to take from that. Um so You know this. This is very much him, or
1: at least is unassured of the fact, even if he hopes.
0: It's not like, (laughs) to use another C.S. Lewis analogy, it's not like Aslan. You know, wink, wink. I know there's a deeper magic going on here. Like, (laughs) as soon as you know things go down the way that they're supposed to, I'm going to come back. Like, we don't, we don't know that the Doctor believes that, and and that's the interesting thing to me because that shows, again, it it reinforces the theme of his general idea of love or at least concern about humanity, yeah. but also his particular love for Rose yeah. in that, in that he doesn't like he lets Rose continue to la- have her last minutes with her yeah. father.
1: Yeah. Look at what he's willing to risk because, and give up,
0: not just risk. He knows it's, it's not a risk because he knows well, what's going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Um So that, she can get what she wants, which is to have her dad back. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Oh, so can't like, bring like himself... from the beginning,
0: you mean like, the yeah, at that point, it's a risk Well, later right. yeah, when yeah. he sacrifices no, it's himself. Real it's... By the
1: end. Yeah. Um, right. right. And yeah. And, and Pete says he knew along, he knew all along. He just was trying to protect me. And obviously I think it's clear he's not doing that necessarily for Pete's sake. It,
2: for no. Pete's
1: sake. <laughs> uh, that should be the title Pete's of the episode. Sake. Um, <laughs> uh, it's for Rose's sake that he's doing this, um, and yeah, it's interesting. Like you know, I was thinking about kind of how naive is the Doctor that he's gonna let Rose go back in the first place. And then let her go back again. And, like, oh, come on, like, you know, you gotta know this is a bad idea, all these things. And Paul Cornell, the writer, said something that, uh, that he was kind of thinking of this in terms of the doctor's alienness, that he doesn't necessarily recognize hmm. the danger there because he may not entirely understand how attached human beings can become to their families and to each other. Um, but then, and I, and I think that's true, but then at the same time, look at how attached he is. Look at what he's willing to do for Rose. So, right. like you said, he has an abstract notion of love that may be kind of alien to our notion and an abstract kind of concern for humanity in, in general, but has a very real and specific Concern for Rose in particular.
2: Mm.
1: So yeah,
0: it's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything to really follow it up with. I, I. I think. I think it would be. Well, I don't. I don't want to disagree with the guy who wrote the episode per se, <laughs> well- but. Uh, I, I I I might disagree hey, a little Corey, bit with that Corey, because Corey I,
1: would tell you to. I I to
0: think that all you like. I think that yeah right. The the idea of. I think the doctor. I mean the, certainly the doctor knows it's a bad idea to let Rose go back. Right. If he doesn't know. I don't think it's that he doesn't know how attached people can become. I think he believes Rose to be different.
1: And is disappointed to find and is disappointed
0: to find that, and is yeah. to find She's that yet again ape. he picked another stupid ape, yes okay. that's right where I was going with that, and so he he I think he also in that instance it's it's the anger may also be directed at himself
1: sure oh, and yeah. that
0: yeah you you know it's not just. It's not just that you're a stupid ape, it's that I picked a stupid I ape, did like it again. how stupid could I be to yeah. have picked a stupid ape yeah and and um
2: yeah,
0: and he doesn't he doesn't let go of that i mean he 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 keeps telling Rose how stupid she is, <laughs> and then kind of apologizes for it later, yeah. But
1: but it doesn't really take it back. I mean.
0: No, I mean the that's point the thing. Still it's, yeah. it's still stupid. But um, we were talking kind of uh, before we started recording too, a little bit about the whole idea of the time paradox and 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 how it does play out here a little differently. It's you know they sort of do a little subversion of the idea because almost right from the beginning, when Rose suggests the idea of going back in time to see her father. Uh-huh. She expects the doctor to say, No, it's too dangerous. It's, you know, you can't do that because of some paradox. Like, she's very, she's like immediately willing to give up the idea when the doctor sort of hesitates and, yeah, and, yeah. She um,
1: wants, a part of her wants to be talked out of it.
0: Yeah. I think. And, well, and, and expects to. Yeah. And the doctor's like, Oh, no, that's not the problem. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And your wish is my command. But he, he kind of... Yeah, I mean, he does say there that he wonders how she'll take it. Yeah. Thinking, I, I think we're meant to think on an emotional level. But, yeah. I, you know, again, I don't... Not does he, like,
1: oh, God, I'm worried about what you're going to do.
0: Right, right. He do, I don't think he does see... And maybe this is where, where you know, we get the idea of, of his not understanding human psychology yeah. as much as he perhaps should after how many years of having companions... Um, you know, I don't think we're, we're meant to expect that he could foresee her running out and saving, but that the idea didn't occur to him would seem also absurd given his experience with history and people like it, it seems like it should, I mean, that would have been one of,
1: he says, you know, you think it never occurred to me to go back and save the people that I lost.
0: Right, and so I think that that maybe that's his flaw is that he's he's thinking of Rose as being more like him than she really is. Yeah. He's expecting her to act
2: yeah
0: unhuman yeah. when in fact she's acting quite human yeah and 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 you know obviously I mean it's not just human to want to save someone from hurt and death if you can, but this is her father. You know, it's not just a person. It's a specific person. And that specific person is someone she loves in the abstract, at least because she never knew him. She, she loves the idea of him very much. And, um,
1: yeah.
0: Thinks he should have been taller. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: (laughs) and, and, you know, that just adds to the, I mean both the kind of reality of this episode and kind of the painfulness of this these expectations which are
2: mm-hmm.
1: dashed and I don't mean that to say that I think by the end he does become the most wonderful man in the world. He does become the best dad it that she could have
0: Literally saves literally the world. I mean, yeah. is
1: the best dad that she could have hoped for. But there is the there are those initial disappointments of you know, him stumbling over Jackie's name in the wedding. And he's not as tall as uh, as Rose expected him to be. And the fact that, I mean, she says, so proud. She says, oh, he had so many jobs. He was so clever. But really, it's because he...
0: He couldn't focus on he anything. He can't focus.
1: He can't finish any of the <laughs> many projects that he starts. And he sort yeah. of doesn't follow through with any of them. So this thing which sounds like... Oh, he's this entrepreneur who's, you know, this, you know, businessman who's, you know, an inventor and he's got all these ideas and he would have been brilliant. Well, no, he was, you know, a little yeah, uh, you know, a little bit of a failure. Um and <laughs> yeah, um, more than a little. And yeah. so you know, that kind of and the fa- the suggestions that he was fooling around and all the, you know, so it's just disappointment after disappointment of you know again an interesting parallel just as the doctor expects rose to be sort of superhuman she kind of expects pete to be superhuman and finds out I mean, he's kind of an ordinary dad um you know yeah and it's yeah. not really until he's given the chance through the circumstances of the story to reach that potential of being the most wonderful dad um, so yeah I mean the, the, those expectations that are just sort of uh, you know like if, if they if there was that line that he kind of paraphrased that the, the past is a different country and everything that you know that yes. you think yeah. you're going to find one thing and uh, reality is different
0: right yeah and, and it's, well, and she says, um, uh, you know, I expected it to, what, oh, what did she say about about the weather and, and whatever? The, oh, oh, the day my yeah. father died. I thought it'd be all sort of grim and stormy, but it's just another day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not momentous to anyone else. And, and she's built it up, you know, because she doesn't know anything about him or about the day other than what her mother's told her. Yeah. Um, which are, you know, which are these stories of heroic type yeah. sorts, you know, sorts of things that he, you know, it's her impression isn't wholly her fault. Oh, of
1: course not. No, you know, no. Jackie um, is building him up for and, Roses. I mean, probably partly in sort of from personal guilt of maybe having lost someone and, and you know, and.
0: Someone she didn't think very fondly of. that she
1: maybe regrets. <laughs> you know, the the way their relationship was going. But then also, I think for Rose's sake, that, you know, you want to tell your daughter that he was, he would have been the best dad, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. So it just um, makes it
1: all very, like, it's not just the melodrama of trying to save someone, you know, that you can't, but then just that kind of bittersweetness of the whole thing. I mean, even if she, even just the idea of like, forget about the paradox stuff and saving people and changing your own history, just revisiting your own history seems like a painful thing because you're, you have to come to terms with your image of the past versus the actual, you know, reality of the past.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah, and you brought up the line um, "the past is another country," uh, which is a paraphrase from mm-hmm. a book, "The Go Between" mm-hmm. uh, by L.P. Hartley. Uh, the full the full opening line to that book is "the past is a foreign country; they do things differently there." But I, th- I found it interesting that the doctor says the past is another country. Nineteen eighty seven is just the Isle of Wight.
2: Yeah,
1: it's not like, so this, different.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it's not a very different past like yeah. it's just you know a little ways away and actually kind of technically part of England still yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it, you know we're still, we haven't gone very far but but to Rose I mean she she totally was expecting that whole different experience you know and it's it's that build-up I I don't know I was I was trying to think about you you mentioned Jackie and and her motivation sort of for for giving rose um you know these stories about her father and and I do wonder which is the stronger motivation was it was it her own guilt you know Jackie's own guilt was it um denial on Jackie's part to yeah. admit to admit that she May have been in love with a man who was not a very good person and that she didn't do anything about it. Like, you know, maybe she should have left him sooner or, you know, never have gotten married in the first place or whatever. And I mean, you know, those whole ideas of history and looking back and, and wondering, you know, she's trying to revise history, you know, perhaps because of all of that, which you know maybe noble maybe it's so that her daughter can grow up thinking her father was was a good guy but maybe yeah. it's also to avoid um you know questions about her own judgment which um yeah pretty clearly she has some issues with and and i just love the 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 point where the doctor goes up to her and says i've been waiting to do this for a long time jackie tyler do as i say <laughs> <laughs> um and almost after, you know, whatever he tells her to do after that point is almost irrelevant. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's just that he finally has a chance to tell her. And, and she submits. Yeah. You know, she's not, um, I mean, she's she's sort of all bluff and bluster. She, yeah, she well, he's like, really... I should
1: have known that you're the one who's going to give me a hard time. Like, right. you know, even in, you know, before you even know who I am, you're going to just treat me yep. like you always treat me. <laughs>
0: I don't even, I've never met you and you never will unless yeah. <laughs> you do what I say. Um, yeah. 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 I don't, I, so I guess with, you know, the whole idea of, of the going back in time and, and creating the paradox and, and all of this kind of stuff, um, the, the, you know, again, the old versus new it isn't just about like, temporal like it's kind of like the conception that you have of of what is old and what is new like what you know sort of being open to to the newer idea of things that you sort of had solidified in your own head and coming to grips with that in a way that's um, gonna help you (laughs) you know in, in a way that that you know, without denying that, which is kind of what Jackie isn't able to do. But I mean, that's what, you know, Rose and, and being able to see her father eventually, you know, I think she does come to sort of grips with, um, the fact that he's not the hero that she thought he was. And, 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 and being able to, um, yeah, just being able to, to actually see someone for who they really are and accept them for who they are. and, and, and get to learn them and uh, learn about them. I mean, and, and ultimately that's what drives Pete to become the hero.
1: Yeah. Well, he does kind of become the hero in the end. I mean, he's certainly not perfect that in the way that Rose might've thought, but yeah, I mean, he, this whole mess, which was clearly a, a mistake and a and a you know bad decision making on Rose's part ends up having, which is un- a re-
0: repetition of Pete himself and yeah. you know a series of bad mistakes and inability to well, follow through and, with and what I he says he's going to do.
1: Jackie greets him, she the first line that Jackie has she calls him an accident waiting to happen and it's like <laughs> oh Jackie you have no idea how how right that is but right um <laughs> but but that um uh oh, where was i going with that oh i i know because at you know at the end it has these unintended benefits which <laughs> he does end up you know achieving this heroism that he didn't have before and when everything is resolved and mostly put back in place a few little details are changed you know that he still loses his life at the same time and place and everything goes back but we get slightly altered details the ne- the second time we see the flashback of Jackie t- telling the story to Rose mm-hmm. there's two things which are different which is one is that the hit and run driver wasn't a hit and run he stayed um, and you know right. and waited for the ambulance for the or the cops, police or whatever yeah. and then the other is that there was this girl and she was there with him when he died and you know he wasn't alone. alone in that moment, so you know, I think Rose both learns is put in her place and learns what kinds of things aren't up to you It's not your job to determine the rightness of life and death um but also you know i you know all these things you know we we're talking about Lewis now I'm thinking about Tolkien that you know that <laughs> in the Silmarillion that all. You know, I don't want to suggest that what Rose does is evil. I think, you know, she does it for, you know, human,
2: right.
1: you know, understandable reasons. But yeah. the, the wrong that she does is incorporated into a good outcome. You know, it doesn't excuse her actions. But at the end of the day, what she did made an improvement to a tragic situation.
0: Well, and it it it. Gave veracity to Jackie's characterization. Yeah. He, you know, kind of going back to what I was saying before. You know, it's it's through her acceptance of him as an ordinary person that really is what lets him become the hero. Yeah. So it's in the end, he is the hero that that Jackie was lying and saying yeah. that he was. Right. You know, I mean, it, now it's and, and, it, and yeah. it's only through Rose's accident. Accidental? Mm. I don't know. Spontaneous, uh-huh. I think, is the word that you, you may have used earlier. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that might have been before we were recording. The, the spontaneous yeah. uh, action that she takes, whether it was purely accidental or whether maybe she had an idea that it could possibly happen had she ever gotten herself in that situation, right. um, it all becomes negligible at that point because it it, it does give that authenticity to... Um, to the character that Jackie describes him, and it and it also gives the opportunity. Well, one, it gives him Pete the opportunity to become a hero. To he doesn't his personality. I don't think changes. No. In that instance, yeah, it's no. just that he he never he never really had the opportunity to change. I mean, maybe had he lived out his normal days and seen Rose grown up or whatever, there may have been some other incident way down the road, or maybe he would have just been a screw up his whole life. Yeah. But it would you know it's it, it's her going back and interfering in that way that gives him that opportunity to be a hero, which was always apparently inherent in his character. Yeah. He just never acted on it until he was able to meet her. Yeah. Um, and then also the, the, the sort of the very touching and sentimental moments before he goes out, you know, when he decides he is going to be this sacrifice for the rest of them. Um, you know, the, the when he says, you know, I had these few hours with you, like yeah. I never would have had that. And so how, you know, how can that not be a good thing?
1: Yeah. 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 He's lucky and grateful that he had this extra time, Mm -hmm. Um, the extra time to be with her and the extra time to achieve this more noble side of himself.
0: Which ultimately is even more than what she was going to do originally, which was just to kneel next to him yeah. while he was dying and possibly not even reveal who she was. Yeah, Now, just be now there at least, for him. Yeah. Now at least he knows that his death is meaning something yeah. and, you know, not just a random accident.
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 good stuff. Well, that's interesting, too. I mean, you brought up, you know, the question of um, how premeditated or not, you know, was this. And this is the first episode that I'm really noticing. It's not huge, um, but there are little bits. The first episode we've got that had um, identifiable sort of pieces of foreshadowing, you know, from earlier episodes, you know. Okay. They've been pretty episodic up till now. I mean, we're getting consistent character development, but it's pretty much just been... New place, new monster each week and you know, and learning more about the characters. But this is the first one where I kind of picked up on little nods that it, it's it's been brewing for a while, that this story's been sort of percolating underneath. Um the yeah. the ones that I noticed um being and the doctor calls this out, um he makes note of this that uh that Rose was only only acted on her interest in joining him in the TARDIS when he told her that it could travel in time. So space travel, mm, interesting, I can resist it. Time travel, different ball of wax, I got to sign up. Now, he interprets that as, <laughs> he seems to interpret that as, as soon as you heard that, you've been planning this ever since. She denies that, right. and I think she would say... I mean, maybe there was a subconscious element that that was attractive to her, and then it was all the... It was the travel itself which maybe gave mm. her this idea. Um, but the, but right. there seems to be something about the time travel which was uh, tempting to her. And then the other one, very specifically in The Unquiet Dead, um, that Gwyneth intuits the fact that Rose's father... Um, maybe in heaven waiting for her and rose is sort of like how did you know that i didn't mention that and that's kind of how we're learning that gwyneth has this psychic ability but um but she says to rose um you've been thinking about him now more than ever and rose kind of doesn't really say yes or no or why that might be but to me the suggestion is where that was what three episodes in and she's starting to me that would be the point of origin of you know of the idea of what if i can go back and see him or what if i can go back and be with him you know or what if i can go back and do something about it like you can see the progression of these ideas you know
2: yeah um
1: so just from interesting from a story point of view i think this is the first one to me that feels like, okay, we've been building to this. That this is Mm. sort of a turning point for the Rose character. And it's something that that's been kind of bubbling away, you know, for the past half season.
0: Right. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, And so try and, and I don't, maybe I'll be wrong here, but this is also kind of the first one where she really is the full on, reason for things going to crap yeah
1: yeah um yeah i'm trying to i'm I'm trying to think if that. are right yeah uh because i
0: mean because other ones it's like i mean even where she may have played a part in what was going on
1: yeah um right you know it it, it certainly wasn't her fault and something was going to happen anyway but they turn up just in time to deal with it or whatever
0: Right, you no, know, but she's right. the cause of this but this is yeah, yeah, this is her fault completely. I mean, she has to go back, she runs out there and and saves you know her father and 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 yeah, there's just no one else and and the interesting aspect of that and and the where the moment if if there is one particular moment where it seems like the doctor and rose. Come closer than anything, you know, any point that they've been at all along here is when the doctor says, just tell me you're sorry. Yeah. Like, ultimately, just, it doesn't matter, any of this. Yeah. You are a stupid ape. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but kind all of. All I
0: want to hear from you is that you're sorry. But kind
1: of live and learn, you know. He kind of takes a, well, all right, you made a mistake. You've learned from it. You know, express the fact that you understand that it was wrong and you're sorry about it, and the you know water under the bridge kind of yeah um
0: well or or at least there's nothing we can do about it so yeah, yeah.
1: well from yeah. from their from the standpoint of their relationship, I mean at that point it's right. still it's not water under the bridge in the sense that they might both die but uh, <laughs> but he doesn't for all his sort of rage at her early on when mm. they get to that point it, it's he seems very forgiving he, um,
0: he well and i think you almost see it in his eyes that he's realizing he's being a jackass in a way yeah. <laughs> by continuing to yeah. you know bring up what she did yeah. wrong and and continuing to harp on it when yeah. that's not helping either like no. that's not getting them out of the situation at all and at that point, he just wants to know that she's legitimately sorry and understands that there's a reason why
1: you can't maybe do stuff like some this. of yeah. this
0: stuff. Yeah, you you just need to let go.
1: Don't t- touch the baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, how about listen when I say things?
2: You know.
0: Sorry, I got a very strong dingo ate my baby. <laughs> Uh, moment there when you said that but yes no there's there's um yeah anyway bad um it was a good episode i liked it i'm glad uh i'm glad pete worked out in the end
2: yeah
1: poor pete yeah do we have any other uh
0: I was just kind of scrolling through my notes here. I I mean, I think we hit all the highlights from what I wanted to talk about. Um,
1: oh, I have one more thing. Sure. Which I just want to make sure to mention because it's something that when I was first watching the full series of Doctor Who, it's one of those things that, you know, you don't know what's important until later. You don't know what kinds of ideas are going to be repeated until later. So this is something okay. that I started to notice... Um, in later seasons, um, but then now going back and rewatching, I, I've now noticed it in this episode, so I may as well point it out. Um, I, I'm going to call it the, the Peter Pan parallel. Um, and it's okay. not, not so much in these... I haven't noticed it up until now. I don't think this is a big thing with the Ninth Doctor. Um, this isn't something that I really associate with his character too much, but... Um but he has this line when he's talking to the the couple that are getting married about, you know, that whole thing of taxi, two in the morning, you know. Um yeah. and he yeah, and yeah. he finishes by saying, um, I've never had a life like that. Um and there are other variations on lines like that which are closer to what I'm thinking of, but that line to me is very resonant with, um, you know, a, a paragraph at the end of Peter Pan, which is one of my favorite books, um, and it, 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 the, books, the story sort of is ending with Peter looking through the window at the family, um, mm. and if I can quote Mr. Barry from Peter Pan, uh, he says he had ecstasies innumerable. That other children can never know, but he was looking through the window at the one joy from which he must be ever bar- he must be forever barred, mm. and this idea that, you know that, yeah, and that to me is such is so resonant with this show. Like that to me, if I could pick one sort of literary epigraph for, you know, you know, a certain aspect of the doctor's character, that it would be that you know that. And there are other variations, like I said, that are closer to the Barry original. But just the way he says, you know, I, I never had a life like that. That he's someone who has ecstasies innumerable that other yeah. people never know. But he doesn't get... It, it It's not him that has the family and the connectedness. Um, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and earlier in this episode, we get... Um we get the the line from the doctor uh an ordinary man that's the most important thing yeah. in creation yeah. the whole the whole world is different because he's alive and and i was thinking uh, uh, even the first time i watched it i'm like that's an important line like he's he's saying this but the implication there is going against himself yeah. it's he is not an ordinary, not ordinary man ordinary. by any yeah. means and and so he's saying that even with all of his power and ability to Go through time and space and all of that. He's not as important as Mr. Average Joe, you know, as as Mr. Pete walking down the street. You know, it's like, like he's he's. Yeah. No, that's a very powerful idea. I think that's. um, Um, Yeah. That's interesting, and that's. I did not pick up that Peter Pan connection. Well, and I didn't the first time
1: either, because I think it becomes more prevalent later on. Um, but... But when I heard him say that line, I thought, that's in that tradition of of little... Of occasional pauses where the doctor reflects on the fact that, you know, as uh, as rich and as full as his life is and how his life... He has experiences that other people don't have. There are, you know... Conversely there are aspects to life with which he doesn't have experience. Sure,
0: um, sure. Um hmm, that's interesting. I or, think the or, only other Well,
1: I won't go so far as to say he doesn't have I don't win that to say like he's never, you know, had a relationship before. So he, but you know what I mean. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna get a taxi and settle down and get married, right? Like <laughs>
0: that's just
1: not the nature
0: of. Unless he finds the right companion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. All right. Uh, well, no spoilers, no spoilers. Yeah. Um I don't know if that happens or not. Um, I really don't. Yeah. The the only other thing that I was going to bring up was just um, the whole the whole TARDIS thing. Like it it was a surprise to me when he gets back to. You know, he kind of storms off and pretends to leave Rose behind, although he admits later he wasn't going to actually leave her behind, mm-hmm. um, and gets to the TARDIS, and it's just this plain blue police box,
2: yeah,
0: um, which is interesting, like, not quite sure what happened there. Like, did is that, are we meant to believe that that's the actual TARDIS that sort of reverted to, or I don't even know if reverted is the right word, because... I thought it was just sort of the form that the TARDIS took. So, like, right. what what's the implication there? I don't... That was kind of confusing to me. Yeah, um, well... Um,
1: I can't... Re- okay, you're going have to have uh, to... What, what have we talked about as far as what the TARDIS is? And what... Not, not much. Not much.
0: So, yeah, I don't... I mean...
1: It's not a blue police box. I'll say Okay. It. Like it's not and, like and that was it's not a blue police box which had, you know a which
0: was given some which extra was machinery like, to, you know, to, tapped yeah. with a
1: wand and suddenly became magical. <laughs> Let's okay. just put it that so way. So
0: it's something else that's taking the form of yes. a police box. Yes. Okay. So
1: um, so rather than reversion to some to some sort of original shape, I kind of understood that as that's the first sign that like they're sort of being isolated and prepared for like maybe the reapers have some sort of control over okay this is the spot of you know temporal interference yeah they set up yeah the so we're going
0: intergalactic yellow police tape and yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so we're going like, to quarantine the area and okay. nobody gets out until we're finished dealing with the situation that's kind of how i nobody took it. gets
0: out alive yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so okay. maybe they have some power to control the doctor's ability to leave.
0: Um, okay, but but then later he the key starts glowing and he recharges it with the battery yeah, and yeah. his screwdriver right. and can somehow call it back. Yeah. So I don't I don't I mean yeah maybe it's just sort of a lot of hand waving and yeah
1: I think I think, I think but, a little bit um, of hand waving as I said n- scientific accuracy or consistency not always the priority. It's it's yeah. sometimes it is. Sometimes that's the forefront of the story, but most of the time it's you know, what are the demands of the situation in order to service the characters, you know. So, yeah. it's important well, for and, the story that the doctor not be able to just leave and get them out of there.
2: Right. And that's right. kind well, of a and,
1: scary image when the TARDIS is sort of like there's and your and
0: that he doesn't really—he yeah. doesn't know what's going on, yeah. and he can't fix things. Yeah. which which ends up being true again, as we talked about with you know him stepping forward and saying, "I'm the oldest one in the room," and yeah. sacrificing himself that way is completely meaningless. Yeah, in that in that instance, it it has to be Pete who
2: yeah,
0: um, mans And I think up, that so kind of
1: justifies some of the. Um, some of the inconsistencies or the confusing aspects that the doctor, you know, isn't completely... He doesn't know everything. So I think they leave room in the store as much as, like, he's ahead of the audience and the characters in terms of knowledge. At the same time, I think they leave plenty of room for him to be at a loss
0: you know right. so he he's yeah very capable and very knowledgeable but he's not omniscient or no, omnipotent like no. we're not yeah, yeah so
1: it's it's pretty it's not it's not inconsistent or it's not inconsistent characterization for occasionally to him to be faced with a situation where he's like i have no idea what's going on and i'm sort of guessing my way as to how to get us out of it
0: yeah okay well so then, when the monster collides and with the very slowly materializing TARDIS, and they both disappear, that's doesn't matter because it's just convenient for the story, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I take it. Yeah. Okay. Is, and and again, you know, and I don't I don't want to try to always try to justify you know whatever's in the writing or the story or whatever. But I again, I think they leave themselves they they leave themselves that window of because of this idea of the time lords being gone that that this idea of that history is in flux and that mm. things aren't working according to consistent rules that it's it because okay. they've because they've built into the story the fact that a major sort of power of you know ability to fix you know, time and wounds in time has sort of yeah. been removed from the equation, then I think they kind of give themselves free reign to say anything goes. And who's yeah. to say what... It's who's to say it's anarchy out it's there. It's anarchy, and who's to say what, you know, are and aren't the effects of, you know, messing with the timeline when there's no sort of, you know, police force sort of making sure that things are protected and are put right in everything.
2: So, you
1: know, again, maybe I'm, maybe that's an over justification, but I think that makes a kind of logic within the mythology that they're building.
0: The, the inconsistency is the consistency.
1: I think so. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. All right. We'll go with that for now anyway. All right. Um, (laughs) All right, that's all I had. Uh, did you have anything else? Uh,
1: no, I think I'm. Not, um, that's it.
0: All right. Well, then I guess we'll wrap up here. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week.
1: See you then.